The Passion Fruit Podcast is a part of Lumity Media Productions. Lumity is an educational media company creating and facilitating engaging and thought-provoking content. Lumity offers a social education mobile app designed to elevate your content consumption experience. The platform offers a curated space for sharing and discovering book, podcast, video, and article recommendations. Through a community of thought leaders and passionate learners, Lumity aims to inspire curiosity as well as lifelong learning. Join Lumity today to build your learning community while you learn and grow both personally and as a collective. So for the third episode of Passion Fruit, I have the honor and privilege of speaking with Griffin Brand. Griffin is someone who I'm lucky enough to call a friend, a mentor, and a soundboard all at the same time. A former college football player and U.S. Army Ranger, Griffin's discipline is unmatched. Griffin is someone you describe as focused. He has a vision for his life and consistently refines what it looks like to get there. A determined, straight-edged man of faith, Griffin exudes a unique blend of assertive confidence and welcoming energy. Don't let his lightheartedness fool you though. He's a man on a mission and won't stop until he gets there. In this episode, we'll dive into the lessons he has taken away from his time with the US Army, his experience in real estate as a side hustle and how to live out your purpose. If you don't leave this conversation fired up and ready to attack life, I did something wrong as the host. So with that, let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Griffin. Man, I appreciate that, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, excited to be here, it's an honor. And uh, yeah, excited to, to dive into this. Cool. So to start, I actually want to steal a little something from you, from your playbook, and ask something that you first posed to your network. When was the last time you inhaled? <laughs> that's uh, that's always the question for me, man. I'm 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 exhaling all the time, and I think honestly. From when I made that post, I think it was in February when, when my wife and I went to Arizona. I think that was the, the last true time that I've inhaled. Although, to be fair, I just, we might get into this in more detail, but I just left a, a job, started a new job, and, and in between was graced with about a week and a half of unemployment, if you will. And so I think I think I did a pretty good job of, of inhaling then, although inhaling for me looks a little different than, than most people. So my, my wife and I just moved. We've got a neighborhood pool. And so we would, we would go to the pool, you know, for a couple hours, each of the days when I was unemployed and while my wife would, would walk around, enjoy the, the sun and the pool, I would, I would swim laps. So that was, that was inhaling for me. Uh, I enjoyed it as well, but yeah, got, I'm so active. I got to be moving. Yeah. It's interesting that you considered unemployed because you stepped away. You made the conscious decision to step away. And that is actually kind of where I want to go. So. Hopefully this isn't too much of a reveal. I know you've posted on social into your immediate network, but you have a baby on the way about one month out, but a month ago, two months ago, the baby nearing its due date and you decide to step away from a pretty good, reliable job from the outside looking in, it aligned with you pretty well. What went into that decision and what gave you the confidence to jump into the unknown and unemployment? Yeah, no, I can't, I can't say that 
I don't look at, look at my decisions or look at my life sometimes from a third party perspective and say, you're an idiot. We're like, what's going on here? Uh, and I'm sure a lot of others felt the same, but you know, and we may have talked about this, but I think oftentimes good can be the enemy of great. And I was in a, I was in a good position and a good job working with an awesome team and an awesome company. The the thing is, I just, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't scratching the itch that I was, I had, I'd really been feeling or that i a lot of my my deep passion and and you know part of passion fruit is like going after what what you truly desire and, and how you want to design your life and so I felt it was important you know once I had come to that distinct conclusion that this wasn't a, a great fit long term that I it would be a disservice to both me and to that company if I if I continued and so made the the really difficult decision didn't have anything lined up on the back end and just decided to to make the leap had a seven month pregnant wife and it wasn't as bold a move as, as many, many make as we, we've got some rental income and other things going on, but I just felt it was important to, to make that, that jump and really take, take a step of faith. I think it, it was kind of crazy how it played out because I, I felt the Lord really clearly put that path in front of me and spoke very clearly that this was the right move and that I, I just needed to take this step without anything lined up. And then the the second, I think I told you the, the day after I, I officially had had completed that job, I, I got this offer for mm -hmm. the next thing, um, completely unexpectedly. So, you know, a great redemption story. Looking from the outside, I don't know, I don't know how it would appear to those because it was it was a job that seemed to kind of fit what I was looking for. And I think the the, the thing we can do is just keep on putting one foot in front of the next and making the next best decision. Because me being a planner, I can look at how I want my life to look 10 years from now or three years from now, according to, to the vivid vision we kind of lay out, but it, but it's fine for that to, to shift course a little bit as you learn and further inform those decisions. So yeah, just keep making the, the next best decision. And, and it's led me to, to, I think bigger and better, better things along the way. Something that you have spoken to in the past and posted publicly about is investing in yourself and how important that is. And I think, like you said, if you're not feeling fully aligned, then you're not fully investing in yourself and you're not going to get do a service to the company nor yourself in this little bit of hiatus. You mentioned that you got the job offer right away, but we had also spoken about some books that you were reading and stuff like that. So how did you invest in yourself in, in your decision to step away and the short hiatus that you had in between? Yeah, I think it, it looks a little differently for everyone. For me, I'm a I'm pretty relational driven. I, I love talking with people and connecting with great people, seeing if I can provide value to them in, in any way. And so I, I took that same approach in between um, positions. I, I just started reaching out to my network, talking to, to people that were mentors, talking to the folks that had, had made that sort of decision or made, made a similar leap before. And in those conversations, actually, was was recommended one particular book called Designing Your Life. And with the timing of the offer, it ended up, I didn't have to fully adhere to this book, but it, it was really helpful nonetheless. And it, it takes the approach of prototyping your life, uh, reaching out to those that are doing what, what you want to be doing or um, what you think you might want to be doing and creating a, an, an MVP or minimum viable product that can emulate what they're doing really lets you experience that sort of role or that, that profession or whatever it might be. And so I, I took that approach, had a bunch of conversations and actually one of those conversations is how I, how I ended up getting the offer for the next job. Um, I wasn't asking for a job in any way. I was just, he was connecting me with some of his network and 
um, as we continue talking, he, he, I guess the, the idea popped into his head to, to offer, offer me something he was thinking about. So, so yeah, I, I read like crazy. I think when, to answer your question on investing in yourself, I think there's a couple steps to it. The first is, is, you know, you want to invest in yourself in, in the right way. There's, there's all kinds of things, plenty of things to buy out there, <laughs> but I think mm-hmm. that what you really want to do is set a foundation of, and maybe we get on, get on this path a little bit, but I think a lot of people set goals for their life, but few people set standards. I've got three standards that I live by and that, that define my life. And those are defaulting to generosity, living with integrity, which means doing what you say you'll do. And then um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to draw a blank on the third one. Now that I mentioned it. But yeah, so I, I live by live by my standards, and then those standards inform the goals and habits that I that I form there. So, and now I'm going to keep on trying to think of the, the third one because this is driving me crazy. But the so I have those those standards that I live by, and they inform every decision. But then it also informs the goals. And I took a, I made a weird move a couple couple of years ago where I'm such a goal oriented person. I started setting habits rather than I, I still will set like an annual goal or set of goals, but rather than, than really focusing all my effort on those goals, I focus most of the effort on the habits that I form throughout, throughout the year. And so I think investing in yourself means investing in good habits that will, it's, it's kind of like their key performance indicators or KPIs that will inform these, these longer term decisions or changes you want to make. So Long way of answering your question, but but I think it's it's investing in a foundation or what standards you want to live by, and then letting that inform the habits that you you enact on a daily basis. No, yeah, I appreciate you going into depth there. I think that's super helpful, especially for some people that are maybe in this this uh, this middle ground of trying to figure out what's next and how to shape their life like that. And so, I think overall, you're a man of systems and building out processes for yourself and having a like you said, not necessarily goal oriented, but habits to then build your lifestyle around. So what are some of those habits and how do they play into your bigger, big, vivid vision that we'll get into? Yeah. And, and now I thankfully <laughs> the third, third standard is tell the full truth. And so, and, and adhering go. to that standard, I'm telling the truth and <laughs> remembering what the third one is. But yeah, so the the habits are. I think again, there's there's a thousand good things. There's like there's there's sauna, there's cold plunge, there's morning sun. There's all of these things. And you can consume a thousand things, but I think simplicity has a lot of power. And so I've kind of, and I don't I don't know if this is the right answer, but it's it's something that I I really have probably for the last several years done pretty pretty much on an every single day basis, and that's getting up pretty standard time. I usually get up right around or around 6am, give or take a little bit and immediately drink a large glass of water. I'll sit down, read a chapter in the Bible, spend 10 to 15 minutes of, of prayer and thought, just kind of inhaling, if you will, on a daily basis. And then I read at, at least 20 pages of, of a book. So at any given time, I'm reading reading one physical book because I'm still old school like that. And, and then listening to a book as well. So I'll read at least 20 pages, usually ends up being a little bit more as long as I'm engaged in the book yep. and then a, uh, a light workout. So I'll, I'll do something like maybe as, as short as 15 or 20 minutes if I'm really pressed for time that day or, or do my full workout in the morning. And so once I have all that, that done, it doesn't honestly take that long. It's 
somewhere between, you know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour could, could be an hour and a half if I'm doing a longer workout or reading a little bit more, but I, I still have plenty of day left and I I've gotten a bunch of little micro wins to start the day. And each one of those is, is informed by a larger goal, which is also nested to use an army term nested within my vivid vision. So that's kind of how I think about breaking down the, the pieces. Yeah. It's, it's such a powerful exercise to give yourself that time in the morning. I think it's so easy to wake up and immediately get consumed by the day, checking your phone, getting lost in social media or something like that. But, and that's something I've started to really build out myself as well. These core habits to start the day, mine are somewhat similar, drinking water, getting outside and stretching, journaling a bit and sitting with my thoughts for, like you said, it doesn't take a long. My goal is to give myself an hour before I give any other time or give my time to anybody else. And I think it's, it's been a major unlock and as successful as you've been in your life thus far, I think it really speaks to these core principles and core habits that we live by. So I do want to get into the vivid vision and the building of life, but I first yeah. want to start to, or start with the foundation. You've mentioned it a couple of times, but something that I know is very important to you. And I think actually how we first started or, you know, got introduced at FCA at Davidson. So your faith in Christianity I mentioned, you read a bit of the Bible every day. Where did your faith originate from and how does it continue to play a role in your life today? Yeah, I think, and, and just to quickly, I, I don't think that morning routines are required for everyone and, and nor is it a good fit for everyone. I, you know, I'm a morning person. I, I assume you are as well. And, uh, you know, that I know plenty of successful people that <laughs> get up at, at 11 or 12 and then you know, they're, they're up until 3 or 4am. But yeah, so I think it's important finding what, what works with your mm -hmm. circadian rhythm and, and your, your lifestyle and what, what's, what's most natural back to the, the faith question. You know, I, I was. I've been very blessed with, with incredible parents and supportive, supportive family that I, I went to, was raised in a church, went to church growing up, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't real for me. It didn't, it didn't really have a, a personal element to it. It was just something I did with my family until kind of by happenstance, my family, you know, I was studying for the AP Spanish exam senior year of high school. And my, uh, my parents wanted to take us before I went to college, take us on, on a spring break trip to both work on my Spanish and have a final family trip before I sailed off. And we went, landed on this random trip to Costa Rica with a local, local ministry out of Roanoke, Virginia, where I'm from. And a whole family went on the trip. And on that trip, I met some of my best friends to this day. And that's really where my, my faith became, became real on that trip. And with, with such great people around me and, and support network. I've actually, to fast forward a little bit, gone back to that same part of Costa Rica, I think nine more times now, my wife and I, one of our, like right when we were starting the date, we went there, we, we lived there for about a month and a half, two months after we got married. We just went back to that same spot for our baby moon back uh, a few months ago. So it's just, it's a place that I, I call it an altar of remembrance. It's a place that kind of a physical place that signifies much more, both spiritually, emotionally, and, and relationally. And so that that's an altar remembrance that's really important for us and that we try and go back to regularly just to kind of recenter and and uh, and reconnect beautiful beautiful yeah 
because you you did uh some mission trips while, while at davidson too right yeah we did um i think it was probably four or five i'm trying to remember we, i know we did it almost almost every spring break and yeah. it actually continued that somehow <laughs> it lasted what beyond my graduation so the trip has I think it continued all the way until until this past year. So, you know, eight eight or so years after my graduation, the trip trip continued with other other folks in the FCA group. But yeah, we would go every every spring break, and I went a, a couple summers as well. So, obviously, it's a an anchor in your life. What's what does your faith mean to you? What is your elevator pitch for? I guess your relationship with Christ and just your Christianity in general. Yeah, I don't have a great, great elevator pitch beyond the fact that I think, I think everyone needs to grasp with some sort of truth. Everyone has, has things that happen. I've had, had plenty of setbacks that I just can't quite reason with. And I, I honestly can't think of how I would have gotten through those if it hadn't been for, for my relationship with the Lord and, and having, having a solid faith background and, and, having a truth to hold on to. And so that's what I think is probably the, the, the elevator pitch for me or for my faith is just that that's been the, the anchor of my soul. It's been the, the truth that I've been able to grasp to, whether it's in good times or bad. And I, I can't, can't tell you how many times I, I've formulated some plan in my head. I'm, I, I tend to be a planner. And I look back and I'm like, thank, thank goodness my plan did not, did not work out. Thank Thankfully, the Lord had his has his own plan that so so much better orchestrated and, and crafted than mine. And I've just been incredibly fortunate that that's that's kind of played out throughout my life. But yeah, it's 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 a central part of my relationship with my wife as well. And we're excited to to raise our our new family and, and that sort of that sort of faith. We've had a bunch of bunch of moves, a bunch of time apart, and so I, I think again, just having having that truth and having that common grounding is makes it it gives you something to hold on to when they're when things are tough i spend more time away from from my my wife usually more time away from home than than at home over the last number of years in the army so i can't imagine how much more difficult things would have been if it hadn't been for for a faith backing mm. yeah and so that's actually i think another part of your foundation is your time in the u.s military you don't go through years of service without learning and instilling core principles and values. And you mentioned some of those hard times and just being able to lean into your faith, I think is again, like you said, having some sort of truth system that you can fall back to is, is super important, but speaking to your time in the military, you're an army ranger, also ranger regiment. I don't know if you want to elaborate on that a little bit, but. <laughs> What was, what was the hardest part of going through Ranger school, going through Ranger regiment, where were you challenged the most, both, maybe both mentally and physically just speak to some of your experiences there. Yeah. So the, just to clarify, there's, uh, everyone is probably familiar with, with army Ranger. They hear, they hear the, the term, what few really recognize is that an, an army Ranger truly is someone who's in the Ranger regiment, the 75th Ranger regiment. Um, tons of people go through ranger school, which it, it makes them ranger qualified, but in, in truly in the army, you wouldn't call them a, an army ranger unless they're in the ranger regiment. So, uh, I, I went to army ranger school right when I started, like, like a lot of folks do. Um, it, it was, I mean, it's a, it's a difficult school when you talk about physically the most, most demanding, it's just, 
it's not any one day. It's not any one week. It's just the, the, it's supposed to be two months. I had the, the fortune, good fortune of having a mishap in the, the last phase. So I got to add another month to my time, nice. uh, which was <laughs> character building, should we say? <laughs> so I, I think, you know, mentally that might've been one of the most difficult times kind of feeling unjustly subjected to another month of complete separation from my wife with no communication. You're being essentially starved and sleep deprived throughout the whole time. So, so that, that was both physically and mentally challenging for sure. And then in order to get a spot in the 75th Ranger regiment, you have to then go through a separate special operations selection process, which for, for officers, it's, it's, it's only a three week assessment and, they're assessing more of your, your leadership attributes and, and how you can be a, a fit for the organization rather than a physical fit. Cause you've already passed Ranger school. You've already kind of proven yourself along the way in a number of, of gates. So, so, so do yeah, you that, sit, that do you sit in or do you go straight from Ranger school into like this pool of people? How do you then like get selected or then have the opportunity to go through Ranger regiment? Yeah. So after Ranger school and, and, and again, this is the, my, my path as, as an, as an officer, it's a little different than some others, but, uh, I went, went to Ranger school, then went to my first regular army unit. Mine happened to be the, the 173rd airborne in, in Europe. So I was, I was living in Germany for a few years. And so you had the regular army experience being a platoon leader and, and executive officer uh, in charge of, you know, 40 to 150 guys, paratroopers and, and this situation. And then, from there, if you perform well in those jobs, you okay. get good evaluations and all that sort of thing. Then you can put in your application to try and go to, to special operations selection. Gotcha. And so I was fortunate to get a spot to go to selection. That's the hardest part really for an officer is, is just getting to go. Once you're there, the, uh, the selection process is actually pretty straightforward. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, you mentioned some of the hard times and just, I think that's definitely consistent. I mean, I'm not, I don't have experience personally, but just that consistent grind of sleep deprived malnutrition and you still got got to get up with a smile on your face take the orders and and get through it turning a little bit to some of the positive what were some of your favorite things about that time it just in the military in general but maybe specifically like ranger school and the going through some of those challenging times yeah, and not to, to derail the direction here, but I think the, the Army provides people with really tangible goals and really <laughs> you have a, a PT test you got to constantly pass. You've got competition left and right. All, all of your, your entire resume is on your, on your shirt, all of your, your badges and accomplishments. So everything's right there for you to display. And I think, and this, this spans beyond the military, but, but guys in particular and just adults in general don't really have a, a physical outlet and, and military guys experience this tenfold and oftentimes even more when they leave the army, they no longer have their, their resume on display. They don't have a PT test to train for. They don't have that group of, of men and women, like always with them to, to compete and, and have the camaraderie. So I think there's a huge issue and something that you and I have both identified separately and, and looked at addressing in, in similar ways with, with ascent and summit hmm. and other Spartan races are a great, a great thing, but I, I think they're missing an element there. And, uh, so yeah, I think, I think having a, a physical outlet post post army or, you know, into adult life is so important for folks because 
it's hard to find it and it's really easy just to become complacent and, and coast through and <laughs> you look up and the only thing physical you've done in the last year is you've done a, a 5k turkey trot for Thanksgiving <laughs> like nine months ago. So, but yeah, to, to answer your, your question as to the more positive aspects, I'll start with my wife and I got to live in, in Europe. We traveled to, I think we went to 43 different countries while we were there. Wow. We, we've been to, been to 50 countries together um, throughout our, our marriage, which we're, we're incredibly thankful for and, and excited to go to more, uh, as soon as, as soon as we're able to. So that was, I mean, there, I can't think of many other opportunities to live in Europe and we, we had a four day weekend at least once a month. And so it, it afforded us the opportunity to travel extensively, which is amazing. And then once, once I got to Ranger Regiment specifically, I think the regular army is great. Um, but it's a large organization. There's a lot of bureaucracy that, and, and special operations is able to cut through that to a degree. They're, they're really well funded. They're, they're working on missions of strategic, you know, international importance. And so my, my deployments there, my, my, my daily job there had, had real impact. It just had a wide ranging effect that I could feel very tangibly and I could, I could see it, that it, that it mattered. And I think that's what, what people want to see in a job, right? They want to, they want to know that it matters. They want to know that they're not putting in the hours for nothing. And that's what I was able to see so clearly with, with Ranger Regiment and something that I hadn't always been able to see as clearly in the regular army. And that just became even more apparent when I, when I had my, my last deployment with regiment was right actually during COVID in 2020. And I was the, the special operations liaison to the, the U S ambassador in Kabul, Afghanistan. And so just by, by happenstance, I, I had a seat at the table with the, the lead diplomat in, in Afghanistan, the, all the lead, um, the highest ranking military officers and, and all the highest ranking state department officers and all kinds of other organizations that are part of that. And so just by, by my position or my assignment to Ranger Regiment, it, it afforded me that sort of seat at the table, not out of any merit of my own, because I certainly had to, had to learn everything. I didn't, didn't even know Afghanistan geography before I, <laughs> before I was, was really in that role. So yeah, just, you know, so clearly had, had impact and, and felt very much fulfilled by that sort of role and uh, made, made all the other times of being away and other things, not necessarily fully worth it, but it, but it, it made up for it a lot. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. I, I didn't, we actually haven't really gone too deep into what your role looked like. And as you mentioned, I mean, not only in the military do most people not always feel that fulfilled, but just in life in general, I mean, all the time, people aren't necessarily fulfilled with their career and their job choice. So that's really cool that you had that experience and at such a level of the US military and policy and those types of things. And I'm sure that opportunity afforded you many lessons. So this might be a little bit of a difficult question to kind of narrow in on a few, but what are some key lessons you took away from that experience and some of those rooms that you were able to be in? Yeah, that's, that's a, a great question. I think the biggest takeaway was, and something that I've had to very tangibly enact over the last couple of years here, you know, post-military, but the biggest takeaway was that I and, and anyone can, you can learn anything very quickly hmm. and you can, you can add value very quickly as well. 
And I think a lot of, a lot of folks get overwhelmed if they're in a new environment, a new job, new, uh, new geography, if they move, all these things can be overwhelming, but a lot of people undervalue themselves and they underestimate the impact they can have and how quickly they can have it. And so I, I went from knowing very little about Afghanistan for foreign policy, about the state department structure, about all, I knew very little, I'd never been in an embassy before, before this job. And all of a sudden I had to, I was only there for six months. So I had to, I had to learn everything very quickly and make myself useful very quickly. All the while being in the middle of COVID when it was an unprecedented time in world history, particularly with, with our withdrawal from Afghanistan and, and everything that was ongoing there. So I think, yeah, the, the biggest takeaway by far was that not only was I able to very quickly assimilate to that, that sort of high pressure new environment, but I'm able to take that and translate it to any other environment that I'm put in. So I didn't have any, any private equity experience before I, I left the army. Of course, I immediately started in, in a, a real estate private equity role and felt like I learned that pretty quickly and was able to provide value there. And then same with this job I'm in now. Um, so I think you, you, know, you just learn those, those tools. And if, if, if it's not tangible tools, it's just confidence in yourself and, and the, the, the knowledge that you can really quickly start providing value and, and contributing to the team. One of my, my favorite quotes from the army is he was my, my first uh, brigade commander. So he's a full bird colonel, a large, um, actually the regimental commander of, of the 75th Ranger regiment. So a, a high ranking guy. And he told everyone when we first got selected to Ranger regiment, he said, you're, sole focus, your goal is to accelerate the learning curve. There's a natural exponential curve that you, you go through with any, any new thing at all. And especially with an organization like special operations in the U S army, there's a whole new vernacular that there's all kinds of different acronyms and, and organizations and everything is, is new, even from an army perspective. And so our, our goal was to accelerate that learning curve. So I've taken that to everything I do going forward. How, how quickly can I get up that learning curve? and start making a difference. Yeah, I've, I've seen you do that very drastically. So um, it's cool to hear that this is what it all stemmed from. So kind of in line with that, in line with learning quickly and adapting fast, let's get into Vivid Vision a little bit and what you foresee yourself taking on in the future. So while I do want to get into specifics, First, I want to create a good context for the audience. So just, just talk to me a little bit about Vivid Vision in general. It's a concept framed by Cameron Harold, I believe. Yeah, yeah so the, the concept is Cameron really frames it in his book. It's a pretty short book. I think the concept is fantastic. and something that I adopted, my wife and I adopted a, couple, a few years ago. There were a couple of iterations in now. But the, the premise goes, if you were picturing yourself three years from now, what would it look like? How would you describe it? What does your day look like? Who are you talking with? Who are you spending your time with? How, like, what are you, what are you consuming? That sort of thing. And just according to the title, vividly describe what that, that future looks like. And it's only in a three-year time horizon because five years down the road, especially 10 years down the road, a decade from now, Jeff is going to look drastically different than, than Jeff today. And so really writing something out or making a plan is, is almost irrelevant. And I think it's great to have decade long uh, perspective as well. But, and then if you, if you cut it shorter a year, you can make a difference, but you're not going to make a, a life changing difference in one year, generally speaking. 
And so that three-year time horizon is kind of the perfect, perfect middle, middle ground. And so, yeah, you just, as best as you can vividly picture what your life looks like, then write it all out as if you can do it in a bunch of different ways. I just do it as if it's writing third person about myself, like a, a newspaper article or something in a magazine describing what my life looks like. And so, yeah, I, I repeat that process. I'm actually, you know, completely candidly with you. I'm, I'm due at, in a couple months here. So Liz and I have, have finished um, our most recent vivid vision and you know, we've seen fantastic growth. And I think a lot of that is attributable to how we perceive things through that, that practice or exercise. And so now I'm at, I'm in the process of, of drafting my next one for the next three years. And of course we've, we've got all kinds of life changes that are, that are part of that. So it'll look a little differently, but yeah, I, I think it's a, a useful thing. I highly encourage everyone to, to do that. And, and like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's, it's a nested, a nested process as the army describes it to where you've got a three-year vivid vision. I set annual goals off of that to inform the, the vision. And then within those goals, I check those quarterly. I do a, a check-in with my, my wife monthly. And that's, that's more of like a date night or, or a family dinner as we call it. And then weekly I, I do assessments as well that are all those are formed by those daily habits that we talked about earlier so that's kind of how how everything trickles down and before i forget the vivid vision most important thing is you don't want to describe how you're getting there you just want to describe what it looks like so you're not you're completely you know as hard as it is for all of us completely erasing how you're going to do that because that that tends to limit your creativity it limits your how high your ceiling can be can be it puts a ceiling on you really and so the goal is to just describe what you would really love things to look like in three years but not describe how it's going to happen um so that you're kind of unrestricted got it yeah thanks for sharing that and obviously it's something that's impacted your life pretty drastically and this is also something you introduced to me a year or so ago i actually looked at mine pretty recently and it's helped me a ton in creating a roadmap for my life um, and it's been pretty cool to see what I wrote down, I did it in August of 2025 or August of 22, looking out to August of 2025. And especially yeah. the day to day, I think that's really cool to kind of, okay, I want to let's shape out what my day is going to look like three years from now. And how do I get there is kind of the, the journey you take. And yeah, it's been cool to see it play out real time. I mean, the podcast was a, a staple in my vivid vision and here we are. So I think having that roadmap and being as descriptive as possible, as vivid as possible, really helps you see your future and start to pave the way to get there. And it's, it's not restricted right. too. like, the, I think it's important to maintain the fact that things will change <laughs> within that three year time horizon. And that's, that's okay. Um, but it, but it helps inform decisions along the way. So it, you know, just to get the brief example, my wife and I, for one of our last army assignments, had the the possibility of moving to the U.S. Virgin Islands. Sounds exotic, sounds awesome at, at face value, but when we ran that by our, our vivid vision and where we, we knew, or at least we're aiming for our life, the, the direction of our life to go, it didn't support all kinds of pieces to that. And so it, it really made the decision 
which otherwise may have been an agonizing decision. Do we stay in, do we, do we move to Atlanta, Georgia, or do we move to the British or the U S Virgin islands? Like sometimes that might've been a pretty tough decision, but for us, it was very easy mm. because the vivid vision informed that quite clearly. Yeah. It's just having that North star metric to guide you. And I don't know, there's that, the plane analogy about the pilot, if he's one degree off, how many miles they can be the one in 60, one in 60. That's right. Give it to me real quick. Yeah. I don't know it off top. Yeah. If, yeah. If you're, Man, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher the numbers here. I don't, I don't do public math is, is my disclaimer here. But if you're, if you're one degree off after, um, you know, one degree off after flying 60 miles, I think you're 60, you know, you're, you're far, far off your target. After flying 100 miles, you're 60 degrees off your target, you something go, yeah. like that. Somebody else who knows circles will, will be able to. I'll try and throw something in the show notes to, to align to it. But yeah, it's, a, yeah. you know, it just, it just kind of rounds up this this idea and this concept of that North Star metric, something you're working towards. And like you said, life happens and that'll change a little bit, but you still have that guiding focus point to, to work towards. So like you said, you're coming up, talk to me a little bit about what was on the past three years, some of the things maybe you were able to accomplish and some of the things that ended up after again, life happens fell, fell off and have to get readjusted in this next one. Yeah. Our, our division looked in some ways almost identical to how things look now, mm-hmm. which is a success in a lot of ways. And in other ways, it looks entirely different in our division. We didn't, we didn't know when the, the army time was going to necessarily wrap up. We didn't know where we would be. So we had, we had things in there. Like we were living in a, a nice place in Marietta, Georgia, where we just moved from, I'd replaced my, my army and I'd gotten out of the army and replaced my army income with rental income, which mostly we've done, which has, has been, been amazing. And so that was, and, and that way we, we kind of, we achieved the, the vivid vision and it's so fulfilling. Like looking back on something that we, we wrote out as kind of a, it's not, a, it's not a pipe dream, but it's, it's definitely a lofty goal. And we wrote it back in December of 2020 uh, to expire in December of 2023. And at that time, things looked drastically different. And we, I think we did <laughs> thinking now, I think we did actually accurately predict that we'd be starting our family somewhere around this time. So <laughs> that's more of a, a happenstance than, a, than intentionality, I think. But yeah, so a, a number of things, the ascent was, was part of, part of the vision and, and to give the listeners a bit of it's ascent is the, the, guys weekend or retreat kind of physical event that I mentioned earlier with having people to uh, giving people physical outlet post-military or or into kind of middle-aged life, if you will. So that was, that was on there. And then having family dinner nights, uh, Liz and I, since moving to Raleigh, we're, we're starting it back up, but we have tried over the years to at least once a week or uh, as often as possible, have, have a, a dinner night with a bunch of friends in the local area. To continue just you know doing a round robin kind of hosting thing but just keep a, a social event going um it's so all of those things are part of our original vivid vision and we think you know it, it really helps having that that north star continue continue guiding those things because when when people get get busy or when schedules get filled up it's easy for things to drop off but then you can always just we review our vivid vision quarterly at least we try to and uh, see what's going well, see what's not going well, see how we can adjust. And uh, so when you're, when you're looking back on that on a regular basis, it helps you keep those things on the calendar that really matter. 
Interesting. I didn't, I didn't realize your family dinners were, were also social gatherings. Yeah. There's, so we, we do a life a dinner, life which is just, okay. just me and yeah. Liz. Yeah. And that's on the, we do that on the first of every month. We try to, yeah. we're not, not perfect in all these far from it. And then we, we were trying to do once a, a week, if not every other week doing, doing family dinners with folks in the area. Yeah. And the life dinner part is another thing that you put me on and just to, to anybody listening, basically having a conscious conversation with whoever's important in your life. It, I don't have a, a partner necessarily like, like Griffin has his wife, but me and my brother actually started it and we felt fallen off a bit. So this is a good reminder to get back to it, but just talking through what went well this month, what didn't go so well. Obviously when you're doing it with somebody you're in a relationship with, you can get into a little bit more about the relationship dynamics, but it is a really powerful exercise to just sit down, have a conscious conversation about what what you're doing well, what, where you can improve, and then taking this, the steps the next month to to take those lessons and apply them. So, Jeff, I got I got another one to throw at okay, you here, please. and this is you know it's, it's front, foremost in my mind because I'm about to become a dad, and so for for any listeners who are in a similar boat or have kids already, maybe this is helpful, maybe it's not. Feel free to take it or leave it. But the there's a book called The Family Board Meeting, and the premise of that is I'm pretty sure it's once a month, but it could be once a quarter. So don't quote me on this, but we'll say once a month, have a, a dedicated day with each of your kids. And you can start as early as they might remember. So maybe, maybe they'll remember at two years old or three years old or something like that, but as early as you want. And if, if kids are already teenagers or, or in their twenties, I think this still holds a lot of water, but you devote one day a month to do one, one thing that they want to do. And so if, if your three-year-old wants to go play in the woods for, mm. for that day, you, you turn your phone off turn, put, or put it on airplane mode. You don't have your phone and you devote at least four uninterrupted hours to what your kid wants to do. And you do that on a, on a monthly basis. And then at the end, you essentially, in the army, we call it an AAR after action re review, but you, you go back over what they enjoyed about the day. And there's a, a series of, of some questions that the, the book suggests you, you could ask if you want to, but you essentially go back over what they enjoyed about the day, what they liked about spending time together. And then you, it kind of opens the door for asking really deliberate questions to your kids that they may not be open to, to asking or just bringing up out of the blue. And so you just have this for at least, at least four hours of quality time. And then you go into, uh, engaging with them. And if they want to talk during, I mean, even better if they want to ask you things, but I, it, it's such a, a powerful concept that, that Liz and I absolutely plan on, on implementing with our kids. And I think it, it's, it's so rare that people take that time to just pause and focus entirely on you. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the premise with each of your kids. There's no one else involved. It's just you. What do you want to do? What's going to, what's going to make you fired up or excited about today if we just do this thing together. And so Another, another one for your, for your book. <laughs> yeah, I'll take, I'll definitely take that note down. It's, it's cool to be able to grow into an adult and reflect on childhood and then eventually plan to take those lessons into you turning into a parent. And I will certainly lean on your expertise and you're not, <laughs> you're definitely not your expertise yet, but the lessons you learn from soon to come parenthood. 
Yeah, I'll let you know everything that I learned. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's the most important part. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so relationships are obviously something that are very key to you, very important in your life, and leaning into those relationships, and whether that's with your immediate family, with friends, with business partners, your network, etc. So Ascent has come up a couple of times. Go ahead and speak to it a little bit. What your intention was in trying to build this community and lessons learned from it. I'll give you kind of just an open forum. What went right? What 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 didn't go right? Yeah, and, and I, I don't think Ascent. I, I, in fact, I know Ascent hasn't sunset entirely. Yeah. It'll it'll come back around. Um, my my co-founder and I were just in, in different. We've got all kinds of things going on and <laughs> babies moving change of job, all, all the stuff is happening. And so we, just, we put it on, on pause, but yeah, the, the goal was to not only it's, it's, we were phrasing it. Like if you had a mastermind combined with a Spartan race, that's the, that's the goal. And so there's, there's professional networking, there's intellectual conversation and, and providing value to, to folks. And then on top of that, there's a physical event. So there's, there's all kinds of, there's a, there's Spartan races, there's Tough Mudders, there's all kinds of things that are just a physical event and then you're out of there and they're, they're a ton of fun. And I, I enjoyed uh, the one that I did years ago. And, and then there's also plenty of networking events you can go to, but they don't have any sort of physical aspect and, and there's limited amount of keeping in touch. And, and some of them are, are done much better than others. But the goal was to start creating that network of, of men and then also doing it for women as well that has a combination, like a little flavor of all of that. And I think the the long term vision is do do a, some domestically and do some internationally, and so you've got a not only a little travel component, but you're kind of taking people out of their environment and giving them a time to inhale a little mm -hmm. bit while also doing a workout and and uh, refilling to a degree. But so that, that was the, the thought behind it. It's, it hasn't hasn't sunset. It's just. It's on pause at the moment. Yep. Naturally so. And I'm glad we got into it a little bit because I know that that was something on that amongst other community type things were in the vivid vision. So cool mm -hmm. to hear how it's, it's played out. You did one successfully. What went really well that weekend and what will you take, what lessons will you take from it for the future weekends? Yeah. So it, it went, yeah, it went, went quite well. I think the ability to bring people from all different walks of life from all different you know we, it was our just personal network we didn't market or do any sort of advertising for it so the the, the guys that were there were all just from my network and my co-founders network and bringing people from different parts of our chapter different different kind of uh, cohorts that we've we've been a part of in the past was, was really special and seeing the way that i mean it was a short event it was only about two and a half days and in, in that short time these guys, I think, formed relationships that you don't really see. And even amongst coworkers that have been working together for years, and it's because they don't, they don't have that shared hardship as, as you, uh, as they say in the army sometimes. And so I think having, having that aspect just for, was able to forge relationships. And, and these guys are, a number of them are still in, in touch. They'd never met before this weekend. Mm -hmm. They haven't met in person after the weekend, but they're still here. We're, over a year later after the first ascent that we did and they're still still keeping in touch and i think that's that's a mark of success when you can have lasting relationships and lives that are improved um just from from that that meeting and that all happened organically i mean it was just getting great people in the same room makes a big difference 
as far as what, what didn't go well or what we would learn from, you know, logistics are always hard. Uh, I had the, the fortune, my co-founder was uh, an army logistics officer. So he's, that's, that's what he gets paid to do. I'm not, not, not generally a huge logistics guy. So he saved, saved us on some of that stuff, but it's hard setting up the course. It was just the two of us running it. And so being kind of MC for the whole weekend and event while also setting up the back end of things and renting cars and, and Airbnbs and moving people around and food and, you know, all, all the logistics that go into hosting an event. We had, we had things that we could learn from there, but overall, I mean, it, even that went, went smoothly, mostly thanks to my, my partner. Yeah. The, the logistics is definitely something even in the, the summit that McKay and I did. Yeah. Logistics are hard getting no matter the number six, eight, 10, 12 guys on the same schedule, rental cars in the same place, all of the stuff that goes in behind the scenes to these weekends is. I think is drastically under underestimated, at least on my behalf, it was so. Oh yes, absolutely. But yeah, we, we experienced the same. Yeah. <laughs> and what, but to your point though, it's worth it to, to be able to get people in the same room, to get a bunch of men in the same room, eventually women, but to get them in the same room and allow them to build those relationships, man, at being that connector and then seeing those relationships blossom is I think truly one of the most magical things about life. And it's one of my favorite things to do. And it seems that that's pretty, pretty common sentiment with you as well. For sure. And, and another quick anecdote on how I would gauge success from, from that weekend, I think status quo is kind of the default. And so a lot of folks will, will tell you, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. There's not, you're not really staying stasis is not really a, a thing within within personal development so we were able to drive and, and you were able to do it through summit we were able to drive positive growth for people that may not have mm -hmm. happened otherwise and it, people just don't naturally pursue that in a lot of times and so the one of the great things that happened after the event was probably nine or ten months after and it's, this has happened several more times even well over a year after the event I've received a call from one of the guys that came to the event and he's, he's running to his vivid vision with me because it's still, we, we drafted it there at the event. We introduced the concept and, and got, got everybody on the same page with that, that practice. And here we are 15, 18 months later, and I'm still getting, getting updates from these guys and, and how they're achieving parts of their vision and how their, their life is starting to, to take, take shape in that, that way that they envisioned years ago. And so that's, I think that's another great mark of success that they've, they've really grasped onto the concept and, and owned it. It's, it's theirs now and something they're going to continue doing for years. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's powerful. That's awesome. And just to get that call, not unexpected, yeah. your phone rings and, and that's what you get to talk about. That's, that's pretty amazing. So definitely a big, big kudos and shout out to you. Certainly not easy to, to start something. Lumity is a community based platform and it's it's tough it's tough to bring people together and you you were able to do that and even though it's on a bit of a hiatus right now i i trust that as you grow as your network grows that ascent will resurface and and be even better and i'm excited to to be a part of a future event and be in that in that sort of environment absolutely and I think what, what really matters, Jeff, or what the most important thing is that Ascent, Summit, Lumity, all of these 
community building endeavors are at the heart of who we are. And I think that's what matters. We, we take that with us in whatever we do. And so no matter what we're engaging in, whether it's at work or whether it's, it's in workouts or where, wherever it is, we're bringing that aspect to groups. And I think that's what, what truly matters. And um, I, I want to do that in a more deliberate way with an ascent or a, a similar type um, engagement. But I think that the true thing is like we, we take that with us and we build community wherever we go. And, you know, the, all we can do is try and try and make people's lives better, you know, one, 1% at a time. And so that's, that's what we're going for. Yeah. And, and I think it also speaks to your, st one of your standards and generosity and it's, it's coming from a good place and it's coming from a genuine, a genuine desire to help people and to improve their lives. And again, even if it's, it's going to start small at first to take these things takes time. Rome wasn't built in the day. I think I was reviewing one of your tweets and you, and you put that out there just in terms of <laughs> you be, Oh no, it was actually the inhale post. And it was you talking about you being such an achiever and somebody that strives to build Rome in a day. Yeah. But, but yeah, just having that patience and, and just knowing that it's, it's, it's not going to waste your time, your energy, your effort, and your good intentions are being well-received. Yeah. And maybe this will resonate with some of your, your audience, but you know, yeah, great recall on that. <laughs> yeah, my, I think my biggest weakness is trying to build Rome in a day, whatever yeah. I do. I talk about trying to accelerate the learning curve, but with that comes the, the, the devil on your other shoulder of trying to build Rome in a day, um, which leads to all kinds of anxiety and, and maybe poor decisions too. And so, yeah, I think, like I mentioned with the habits, I want to, I want to do all of it. I want to do everything. I want to, build build the the Rome in the day which is my ideal life tomorrow mm -hmm. um but i think really being okay with simplicity but high leverage habits and actions i can can kind of to some degree curb that that desire but i think we all we all probably feel it um and have our own ways of coping with yeah, it yeah and just to kind of speak on that i also struggle with that and just the patience of letting things unfold as they may but this past trip to Peru balanced that out for me. And you know, my brother and I were doing a, a four day hike up to Machu Picchu through the Andes mountains, completely off the grid. It was a nice inhale moment opportunity to just reset yeah. and recalibrate. And in the back of my mind going in, you know, I know I have all this stuff that I'm planning to do, relaunch Lumity, drop the podcast, all this stuff, but taking that moment to, to breathe in and, and just be and be present. It really set the, the number one message I took away is that the journey is the destination. It was on the shirt that our tour guides provided us. And it was just a resounding theme throughout the, the couple of days. And you're hiking up to Machu Picchu, this, the seventh wonder of the world, this beautiful archeological site. But by the time you get there, you're like, damn, this is it. Like it's over. And, <laughs> and that's no discredit to how amazing and cool it was to, to be able to take in Machu Picchu. But really the, the best part about the trip was hiking through the mountains, waking up in the mountains with the a view of the sun, the sunrise over the mountains and the clouds and the alpacas just wandering around <laughs> the community that you you build with, with this group. And so I say all that to say is, as hard as it is to remember sometimes that Rome was not built in a day, I think leaning into the fact of this is a process and life is a journey can really calm you down when you're at that 
that most like anxious time. And so, yeah, that's a little bit of a Ted talk, but it was a powerful lesson to take away. And it was a good reset for me to just be like, slow down, enjoy the ride, enjoy the process. Things will come, but great things take time. Yeah. I was going to ask how, how long did it take you to, to disconnect? How long did it take you to really settle into inhaling rather than just planning what's next? The first day is kind of funny. There was little snippets and I plan to write about this in the future. So now that I'm saying this publicly, it, it'll hold me to it. The first gotcha. day we're hiking in and my brother and I are just like, we're, we're athletes. When you go on a hike, it's important to take everything around you, but you're also like, I, I try and get a workout and I want to push myself and, and get my heart rate up. And so my brother and I were leading up the pack and stuff and we're walking probably quick, more quickly than we needed to. And we see a group of, ahead of us kind of stopped and we're just like, all right, they're taking a breather and we can walk past them. Then whatever happens, we somehow turn around and it's this amazing, what's called, I think a fire bow. And it's like this horizontal spectrum of colors, spectrum of light reflecting off the glacier. And it was one of the most crazy things I've ever seen. And the tour guides were all looking at it, taking pictures, the, the porters who have 50 pound backpacks on, they're stopping to look at it and something, something that they've, they, they never really get to see. And I say all that to say, we're in such a rush, like get going with the hike, move through the mountains and you know, just, just that anxiety ridden. And then we fortunately were able to slow down, turn around and see this amazing thing. And one of the kids from the group from the Netherlands, he said something about, you see the journey, like he said something about the journey being the destination. I was like, damn. And so throughout, it was kind of always top of mind. And, you know, even when you're hiking up the mountain, you're still working, not head down, but like it was tiring. We're in 13,000 feet of elevation, steep inclines. And so it's hard to sometimes take pause and appreciate what's around you. But again, just throughout, there was little snippets that, that came to light. And so I would say about like two days and then the second or third day, I, I kind of decided to be like, all right, I don't need to be in the front of the pack. I'm going to take it slow. I got to talk to different people in the group. There was 14 of us total. So in walking at different paces, I was able to have conversations with different people, learn a little bit about them and take it all in. And even on the last day, it was foggy in the morning and we're walking and it's just like, okay, well, there's not really a view. So we're just kind of like, all right, let's just get to Machu Picchu. But at the same time, it's like, no, this is still, you're in the damn near like the rainforest, like the jungle and there's the clouds and the fogs provide cool aesthetics and just seeing the leaves and the trees and the different plants. It was, it was also cool. So all, all that to say the first, it took a day or two to like really set in and unwind, but throughout there was tidbits of information, tidbits of moments that were okay. Like you're here, take it all in, be present. And you hit on something super powerful there that you learn something different at the different paces mm -hmm. you walk. And I think mm -hmm. that, that that goes so much further than just a little hike. I think whether it's a season of life where you're walking a little bit more slowly and, it, and it's a deliberate choice too, you just learn something different about not only the people you're talking with, but also about yourself. And I think that that's so important and something that 
usually when I, when I write and I, I want to do more, more of that, but when I, when I write or when I come up with these, these little things or like kind of formulas or frameworks, it's, it's all speaking to mm -hmm. myself. And so I, I, I want to think, think about that a lot more often that, you know, I, I learned something different at the different paces I walk. I think that's, that's yeah, critical. even, you know, like one of the most popular books, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, he wasn't trying to be a published author. He was just journaling to himself. And even my morning routine, that's kind of the intent behind the journaling is just to get some of my thoughts off and, and talk to myself. And it's, it's a very powerful exercise and something like you said, I, I plan to continue to work on and build into my, my day to day. Well, you also hit on my, my second biggest weakness too, which is a constantly moving goalpost. Yeah. I think I, I fall prey to, I haven't done Machu Picchu, but I, I can imagine my, my mind would want to naturally go to mm -hmm. what's next when you're at the top. And it's that, that kills me. It's like, enjoy, enjoy <laughs> this view, enjoy this mountain. But metaphorically speaking, I'm always like, what, what is the next yep. mountain? And um, so I, I constantly struggle with that too. And I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah, we got to the, the hardest peak, hung out there for a little bit. And then we, we got all the way up and then we're at like 13,900, like 20 feet. And me and my brother and I are like, damn, we got to cross a 14 or off our list. Let's try and get a little bit higher to get to 14,000 <laughs> feet. We try and find a way up a mountain. We get to 13,980 and still can't get there. And we're just like, but like you said, just always striving for that next little bit. <laughs> That's when you start stacking up. <laughs> you, know, you get another, another five or six feet up there on top. Exactly. Of yeah. And but yeah, I love that that takeaway of just you learn something new from different different paces, and it's always easy to get caught up in. Oh, I gotta be fast. I gotta race head down grind. But there's a lot of lessons to be learned when you do go a little bit slower and you take the time to think through everything and be a little bit more methodical rather than head down. I know where I'm going. So there's one more area that I want to get into involving your vivid vision. And we fit on a little bit, but just real estate, you're the army actually played a role in this too, just due to the, the VA loans that you're, you're able to leverage, but yeah, let's, let's talk through about a bit about your, your real estate experience. What first got you into it? Um, I think you have four rental properties now, not to get too into the weeds about your portfolio, but yeah, going all the way back to the beginning of that that part of our story we we were living in germany we you know, i was working like crazy and it, you, can, you can google army salaries it's it's not a it's not outpacing industry by any any means and so i was just thinking when i get back to the states i want to do something to, to supplement this and some way of starting to to build a a foundation upon which we could we can have more freedom because because ultimately you know, the only reason i care about money is because of the freedom that it can provide and the, the, the choice from there. And so just did, did what I knew best. I started consuming like crazy, listening to podcasts, reading a bunch of books. And so right when, when we moved back to the States, this was 2019, beginning of 2019, we almost immediately bought, bought a, our, our house that we lived in. And then we also bought a, I, I recently told, told this story on, on uh, one of my posts as well, but bought a, a place to, to flip in southern georgia with a, a buddy and so we a number of things kind of went in our favor we got lucky with, with that but it, it, it went well and so that 
launched us into into other uh, rental property investing. So, yeah, that's the that's the only property we've ever sold. Uh, in hindsight, it would have been great to hold on to it because it, it appreciated a good bit and and would have been a great little rental property as well. But it, you know that that early win under our belt had all kinds of residual effects uh, going forward. So yeah, my wife and I we we own. We have a very, very, very modest portfolio. We've got five, five rental properties, and then we live in, we own our house that we live in here in, in Raleigh as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been, I can't say it's been free of it's. We've, we've sacrificed in order to get that. I'm, I'm pretty stubborn, so we've sacrificed a lot of our nights and weekends over the, the last four and a half years now that we, since we started this process. Um, but that's mostly because if I you know, I feel like I can learn anything and learn it fairly quickly. And so since I learned how to remodel houses, I, I did most of it myself, <laughs> which is, I do not <laughs> recommend to vast majority of people out there, but and that I, I, something I, I don't necessarily plan on, on doing anytime in the future again, but that's, that's kind of the, the story. It's been, been great. I mean, I, I was able to leave a, a good job and step away from, from a good situation with a seven month pregnant wife because of the stability that provided. And so, yeah, again, it goes back to the the freedom and the choice that you have by, by you know, sacrificing today mm -hmm. to, to get, get what you want tomorrow. Yeah. I remember, I remember visiting you in Atlanta and seeing, seeing those <laughs> houses and seeing some of the work you had put in. And then that was during the, you probably thought I was crazy. <laughs> about that. Yeah. Cause that was so early. Stepping over two yeah. floors. Yeah. And then, we probably had a, a couple of ceilings or walls yep. missing. I don't even know if there was a front door. Like you, you saw the the chaos and yeah, it just it looks like a mess. And it, it yeah, is. I think you were <laughs> exactly you were sleeping on the couch and redoing the kitchen like at the same time. And a year or two later, I, I visit you again, and you're getting ready to sell the house. So or, or not sell, but start renting it out. And it was it was really yep. cool cool process to see. And even though I've only seen you twice in the past few years, it's, I got to see both ends of it and it was, it was really sweet. Yeah. It's been, it's been six months of living off of a, a pullout couch and living out of a microwave yeah. and mini fridge, but you know, completely worth it to have three very, I would say pre pretty successful little rental properties that are able to, to replace a lot of, a lot of income. Yeah. And so the, the post you mentioned, I actually only wrote one of them down, but I'm going to try and go off top and get the three lessons that you listed. One was you treat it as like a master's degree. So kind of, again, getting back to that investing in yourself, it was a opportunity to learn mm -hmm. Two, being biased to action. And then three, increasing your luck surface area. Are those three lessons beyond just the first flip? Have those applied and, and spread out through your entire real estate journey. Absolutely. I think they've, they've applied to yeah. everything I've done in life. I, I think the, the one that's, and, and maybe it's recency bias to a degree, but I think that the increasing your luck surface area is the one that's most, most resounding or hitting closest to home with me right now. And every, everything, the more you can put yourself out there, the more you, you swing the bat and, and at least, put some action behind all that you've consumed all the time that you've spent, you know, reading books or listening to podcasts, the more you can put action behind that, the more it starts to pay off. And of course it's gotta be well-informed and it's, it, you know, I'm not saying swing the bat at a, at a 
a ball that's far, <laughs> far high and to the left. But I think that's the, the biggest one that's, that's been taken away. I, I think my, my luck surface area for finding the job that I'm in now was substantially increased by, by the network that I have been building over the years. And, and it goes far beyond that. So yeah, those, those are lessons that ring as true today and in, in every endeavor that I do now as they did back four and a half years ago when, when that house was, was our, our, uh, our daily life. So the one, the one that, that stands out to me is bias to action. That's something that I've been doing my best to just implement. And it's just a, it's a very important thing to, to live by is just, you can say what you want. You can do, you can say all these things. You can think all these things, but at the end of the day, unless you take action, unless you do something about it, then it's all for naught. What are, what is first action step for somebody that says they're interested in real estate, wanting to learn more about it? What's a, what's a good action step for, for them to take? And I, I can't take any credit for bias to action. That's completely from the military. Um, and, you know, but something, it's a soft skill and, and you know, translates into other hard skills that, that I picked up along the way. I think so often, and, and I can be a, a bit of a perfectionist sometimes, other times I'm, I kind of walk that line between, but I think for perfectionists in particular, they can tend to really wait until they've got a hundred percent solution. And the problem is, I mean, things are probably never going to be a hundred percent. There's going to be variables that change along the way. And so a, what was saying from the army again is, you know, a 60% solution today is better than hundred percent solution mm -hmm. too late. And so like even if you're moving forward with a half baked and again, half baked is often a negative connotation, but if you're moving forward with a 60% plan, as long as you're moving forward, that's better than waiting until, until it's too late to actually, to actually take that action. So yeah, speaking real estate specifically, I mean, if, if folks are looking at getting their first property, whether they're living in it or trying to rent it out or. I, I honestly think the, the best first move, and this is also biased because it's similar to some of our early moves, but buy a place and then do a, uh, a house hack where you're, you're renting part of it out, whether that's a bedroom or you're living on the couch and renting out all the bedrooms. Or if you're, if you are lucky enough to find a nice little duplex or triplex living in one of the units and renting out the other ones. I think that's that's a, a great way to start from a big picture. But when you're looking at a bias to action, what that looks like is, I think two things. One is if you're not a realtor, which you're probably not if you're if you're asking these questions. So first thing is start establishing relationships with folks in, in the industry. So start finding great realtors, finding if you want to rent it, start finding great property managers, people that can kind of walk you on to what you're actually looking for and have and know your market. And talk to a bunch of them. Don't don't get pigeonholed with one who's trying to sell you something. Talk just canvas like crazy. And then the second thing is, if you're looking for a place, the most I think the, the most actionable thing. I mean, Zillow, Redfin, all these things are available to everyone. You can you can analyze ten properties a day, easy. I mean, it's completely free. All it costs you is a little bit of time. And so, what, I guarantee you, if you spend three months looking at ten properties a day, you're going to come away from that quarter knowing your market better than 95, 99% of other potential home buyers in that market. And so it's a super easy, actionable thing. Just check off 10 a day and the first 10 might look foreign. The first hundred might look foreign to you, but by the time you finish three months of doing that, you're going to, you're going to know what a, a good price is and what a good house looks like. And, 
And then, of course, you want to walk them and <laughs> do things in person, too. But I think those are some actionable steps you could, you could cool. start taking. And I'm going to ask you to repeat that quote for me. But you, the resources you leaned on, I, for some reason, I'm blanking on. I know his name's Brandon, the bearded guy. What, what's the what's their their company? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, the biggest bigger, bigger pockets, pockets is yeah. the podcast that I was really listening to. They've got all kinds of books and things as well. So, I mean, you could get a essentially a master's degree in, in real estate and investing for free. And you can also spend 20 bucks on, on their book on several of the books. But yeah, that was a huge, huge resource for me just consuming those podcasts like crazy. And then once you, you get into that space, you start finding others that are maybe a little more sophisticated and other things that you can start listening to and, and consuming. But, but yeah, there's, I mean, all, all free education out there. It's, it's just, just for you to taste. Sweet. All right. Yeah. Hit me with the, the quote again from the, the army general. The, the 60% solution yes, today yeah, yeah. is better than, than hundred yeah, percent too late. 60% solution today is better than hundred percent too yeah. late. Love it. Love it. All right. So I would love to just keep going, but I do want to kind of keep, keep time frames okay. where they're at. So I do want to, well, we'll, we'll do this again on, on episode there we go, 100 there we go. or something. We'll, we'll do it again once, once you're, yeah, once you're a year or two into this thing and, and we both are finishing out the divisions again, yep. <laughs> another, another turn, we'll, we'll do it again and, and it'll be even more exciting, yeah, so, I'm sure. We'll probably be more, <laughs> more enjoyable to listen to. Yeah, we'll both well. a little more, but I do have two more, two more overall ideas that I want to get through. So the first is going to be a rapid fire questions just going to throw a few questions at you fire off your answers top ahead don't try and think too much about them just first thing that comes to mind and then we'll get into closing questions and then officially wrap um so fire. here we go <laughs> uh number one book recommendation at present i gotta give two range by david epstein and then the unsold mindset by uh, Colin Coggins and, and Garrett okay. Brown. That's the one you sent me on LinkedIn. The event they just did. Yeah, yeah, the unsold mind. That yeah, they teach it at USC Business School, so they're they're in your backyard. Phenomenal book on on sales, but it, it translates to everything in life. And then range is, I, I think it's range is is my. Uh, there's a book that, that described me. I think it, I would probably probably say range at the moment. Um, just speaking on the utility and, and, you know, specifying in a profession or a career, it can be phenomenal and, and all kinds of folks do it and, and there's great results, but so, some just aren't necessarily wired that way. Some are, are wired. And, and in fact, there's all kinds of studies that prove you can, you can problem solve a little bit better by jumping fields and being, bring an unbiased perspective to, to different fields. And so um, I think range does an amazing job of, of talking through okay. that. Best piece of advice you ever received. Mm. That's a hard one, man. <laughs> uh, I would, I would probably say, um, and I, I, I don't know who originally gave me this advice, but it's, it's that, that piece. Don't, don't let the goalposts keep on moving. I, I need to, for me in particular, I, I, I have to reassess things on a, on a daily hourly basis that I'm not continu continually looking at what's next and, and enjoying the journey. And yeah, the, the obstacle mm -hmm. is the way. Right <laughs> and, and, you know, 
Yeah, that's right. But I, th- I think that's, and again, not attributable to any one, one person or, or book, but it's so, so easy to keep looking forward and sometimes not to keep throwing out books, but the gap in the game is another phenomenal one. And it talks about this exact phenomenon where, you know, it's, it's so important to, to take a step, take a pause and look back. And then only by looking back, can you really see the gap that was, that you've now overcome. So you can, you can truly appreciate the gain that you've made by, by looking back. And so that's what my, every year, that's what I do on looking back on my, my previous year with, with my wife, we look at everything that we, we did accomplished and, and we can truly appreciate where we've come and that gap that we've, we've now jumped or, or moved across on a, on a regular basis. Yeah. So. Yeah, and yeah. bear with me with some of these questions. I'm I'm working through and refining out this rapid fire section. So uh, some some may be a little yeah. easier to come up up with answers off top. And you're not the first person to to take a little bit of pause throughout them. So so no worries. No, it's great. <laughs> um, one podcast, YouTube channel, or just content in general that you'd recommend following. Depends on what you're into. This is also recency bias, listening to uh, Acquisitions Anonymous. You know, I'm in the M&A space right now with my current job. And so listening to successful, smart people talk about buying small businesses and how they assess deals is, is critical for, for what I'm doing. It's, it's a great podcast. It's entertaining, to say the least. So I think that's a worthwhile, the, an, a, a super popular one that would, would hit it more, a more broad population is the All In podcast. Um, the, my, my brother and I describe all in podcasts as billionaires talking about billionaires or talking to other billionaires. My first million is millionaires talking to other millionaires. So both of them, my first million and the all in podcast, I've have so many great people and, and great things to learn 100%. from. I've met some, I've done a couple of all in meetups out in LA and it's been a great opportunity. I've met some really awesome people. So agree with those. And then passion Facts. fruit. <laughs> subscribe, subscribe, follow, listen to passion fruit. Five stars. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. So here's another one from from you. So we'll see how you answer your own question. What would you give a <laughs> what would you give a forty minute presentation on with no preparation? I think I could talk for forty minutes pretty easily on on getting started in real estate. Ask me this question a couple months from now, and I better be saying mergers and acquisitions for small businesses, specifically within the the restoration space, <laughs> which is what I'm so very specifically focused on now. But yeah, it'd be be real estate, how to how to set up a small rental portfolio, how to how to work towards and achieve financial freedom through small scale real estate investing. All right, kind of still on the content train. Best piece of content you've consumed in the past one or two weeks. Mm. Does a book yeah. count as content? Yeah, I'm about to finish the the psychology of money right now by Morgan Housel. Yeah, I think that's been that's been great. So yeah, yeah, okay. I, I think that'd be amazing. yeah. That's that's come up a few times for me. So I'm gonna have to. I haven't read it. I'm, I'm familiar with his work and he's a phenomenal writer. So I, I might have to, to jump into that one, especially with some of the stuff I'm doing on the personal finance side of things. It's, it's fascinating, man. It's one of those books that you hear about. Mm-hmm. Everyone mentions it because it's gotten kind of that level of, of publicity. And I just been putting it off because it, it wasn't 
it wasn't uh, very directly tied to, to work or other things, but cool. it's worth it. All right. So, yeah. So closing questions, I got two for you. The first uh, I'm big into giving people their flowers and shouting people out. So who are two people that you admire one person that's in your life and then one that's outside of your life? Yeah. I mean, easy answer for inside of my life is, is my wife, Liz. I mean, she is absolutely amazing. She's <laughs> just, just the, before I give a 40 minute presentation <laughs> on, on Liz, we were before moving from Atlanta, just a little bit ago, she was six months pregnant and the two of us renovated a house. We, we got this house kind of last minute and it was in our neighborhood. So it was, it was super close by and I naively decided to, to go for it. So as she was six months pregnant, she was in there painting and helping with the, the remodel. And so, I mean, she is, she's unparalleled and not only is she talented at everything that she does, she's also incredibly empathetic and caring. And I've learned more about, I think empathy and authenticity before I, I leave here, I think empathy and authenticity are the two most important uh, traits one can approach life with. And, and I've learned more about empathy from Liz in our eight years of marriage than I could ever imagine in a, in a lifetime. So yeah, easy, easy answer would be Liz. <clears throat> Outside of, of my life, you mean someone that I, I know of, but don't mm -hmm. necessarily know personally. And they could be dead or alive as well. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I need to be more of a, a history buff. I mean, there, there's a lot of, a lot of really easy, probably cliche, cliche answers at this point. I'm sure my answer would change on a daily basis, but one that I, I read or rather listened to um, Barack Obama's book not too long ago. And very obvious that he's an incredibly impressive person, a, a good person. And, and of course, everyone has mixed reviews on, on presidents of all shapes and sizes. But I, I think if I were to pick one, one currently alive president that I could sit down with and have any amount of time with, it, it would be him. And so just, I mean, again, I'm, I'm learning more about empathy. I'm learning how to be more empathetic. And I think I, I can't even begin to fathom the, the things that he's overcome um, and the ways that he's moved the ball forward for America. Um, so I, I think that would probably be, and again, that, that just, that's the one that comes to mind right now. Um, and yeah, probably would give any amount of money to, to sit down for a, uh, just a 10 or 15 minute talk. Awesome. With yeah. I'm not, not negatively or positively, but I am surprised by that answer, but that's pretty cool to hear. And yeah, like you said, I think because you yeah. served throughout his presidency, right? That was your time of service. Yeah, yeah, mostly. Too, I guess. Okay, mm -hmm. so final question. It's one of my favorites so far. What do you love most about life? Everything that I would say, you know, there's like several layers to this question, which makes it a good one. Um, everything that I would say goes back to one foundation and that's people. I love, I love the, the texture. I love the, how, how you learn something new walking at different paces. You learn something new uh, at each, at each stage. So I, I think, I think what I love is, is just engaging with, with people from, from all different 
backgrounds. That's, that's why one of my, my, my wife and I love travel. And, and the reason is because we meet different people. We see the work of different people from all sorts of different backgrounds and, and walks of life. So, yeah, I think that would be it. I mean, it's just the texture that an interpersonal relationship brings to, to my life and, and to the world. Um, so, yeah, because when I think about that question, I, I think about, I think about experiences or places or whatever it might be like all, all these kind of tier one thoughts, but then at the, at the core of all those, what's driving each of those is the people that are, that are mixed in there. And so I think that's what yeah, I would say. As I reflect and continue to ask this question, but try and answer my own question. I think that's what I lean into the most as well is just people and relationships. So cool to, cool to hear. We have that in common. Yeah. yeah. And before we, before I get to the outro, I, think I just shout out Liz and acknowledge the relationship goals that you guys have. You guys are a true power couple and a variety of ways. And so, yeah, shout out Liz. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Second so, that. From, from the yeah. top of my <laughs> All right. So <laughs> where you guys can find Griffin, LinkedIn, first name, last name, Griffin brand. Also on Twitter, Griffin T brand. Um, those links will be in the show notes and hopefully, yeah, I know you're thinking through what that looks like, what your future looks like in both of those platforms. But from my experience thus far, I'm very grateful for what you have shared. So I would encourage you to keep it up. I know it can be a big responsibility to take on, especially now that you got a newborn coming, but know that it's not, that it's worth, or that it's being received. It's being well-received and there are people out there viewing it and seeing it. So yeah, follow, follow and uh, connect with Griff and get some of his, his very great insights. And yeah, from, from my side, I do want to close with kind of a personal anecdote about one of our most recent conversations about a month or two ago, and I was walking around on my roof and just talking about some of my, my big goals. And like you said, shifting goal posts and stuff like that. And, you really reeled me in and, and challenged me to, to, with the word focus. And you said, what, like, what's most important to you? I think you need to focus on that. And that has changed in just a small amount of time, the way I approach everything and is a big reason why I decided to really go all in on this podcast. So thank you for that. Thank you for the honest feedback and for helping me focus in on the top priorities, as well as just your continued wisdom. Um, and for the many great conversations we've had on and off the camera now. So yeah, I would pass it over to you for any closing thoughts that you want to share and leave the audience with. Yeah, well, thank you for that, Jeff. And, and it's been been an absolute honor. Uh, I feel like we're, this could, could be one of the, the many phone conversations sure. we've had. It just, they're all, all very simple. I mean, this is, this is not Jeff in front of the camera. This is Jeff in everyday life, which is what makes it so great, that, that authenticity. Um, and, and I, I just want to applaud you as well, Jeff, for the way that you know, I, I talked to a, a lot of people and a small fraction actually put anything into action that we talk about. And you, you are in that small fraction of, of people that, that have a bias to action and that put it to, put it to practice. So, I mean, I, I can't, I, I don't know if I have a, a higher praise than that, because that, that puts you in the top percentage of, of the world and is going to set you apart, whatever you do. So yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for for having me on here. And yeah, I'll, the goal is one percent better a day. That's all we can do. And I, I just, I, I really, 
admire the way that, that you, you get 1% better a day personally, but you also make everyone else 1% better every day. So thanks for what you do. And oh, it's been man, an honor. I appreciate man. the words <laughs> very much. So that means a lot. And I'm glad we can, can wrap on that. So thank you again for your time. Again, all of this information that we talked through will be linked in the show notes. So you can revisit this conversation and dive into all the many great recommendations that Griffin put out there. But that does it for another episode of Passion Fruit. Hopefully you got something out of the conversation and it sparked some curiosity and or inspiration. Subscribe to Passion Fruit on Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube. And tap in weekly for, for new insights and some conversations with some wonderful guests. So until then, keep learning and growing. Much love. And that does it for this episode of Passion Fruit. We look forward to you joining our community and contributing to something special that we're building. See you next week. Cheers. Thank you.